Cool. Started. So, what I'm doing is I'm interviewing. I was going to do a questionnaire. That was the initial. I wanted to go straight to interviews and do grounded theory. My professor suggested that I do um, an online interview using Qualtrics. And then if we got 100 people to interview, um, to do the questionnaire, pick 10 or 15 that were the most interesting to continue interviewing. But as it happened, I only had, at the end of um, October time, I own, well, no, at the end of about September, I still only had about 20 people who had said yes or no, who had said yes, they would do it. So it went, it made... And I've got a friend here who works for Deloitte and he had a quick look at the questionnaire and he just, well, when I piloted, what came back was it would be much better to do this just as a questionnaire, um, as a, an interview, which is, so some time's been wasted, but it, it doesn't really matter because the questions that I've developed became almost the first stage of the questions for the interview. Um, so I'm into at the moment. I've sent out about fifty um, emails to people who have said they'll be interviewed. But it's a case of whoever I can get interviewed. I was going to do till the end of October. Now it's anybody I can get interviewed by the seventh of November, because then I'm off to Palm Springs for a week. But I've got some very I've got some interesting people, and it's it's not about are they. It doesn't matter whether they've got a big company, a small company, if they work for themselves, a hundred people. It's to do with whether they're, you know, if they think differently. So that was my only criteria for picking people on board. So, okay, if we make a start then, and then I'll show you around. So, how would you define a maverick? Um, so, how would I define a maverick? I would uh, define a maverick as somebody who not only thinks internally different, but actually he does things different. So for me, uh, a maverick is someone who doesn't necessarily follow the convention of wisdom, uh, very clearly thinks outside the box, but much more than that, they don't do it for artificial reasons, they do it because it's absolutely core to their psychological DNA, they can't help themselves, they just have to kind of do things differently it's hardwired in them okay. um and often very driven to live a, a kind of unique lifestyle or to to create unique value in the world um and i think in, increasingly the really interesting mavericks are the ones who are driven to really uh, make a difference to the world to create mm -hmm. a real legacy in the world they're the kind of mavericks that i think are really really exciting thank you I've got this maverick, maverick scale that I'm using that's been designed by a professor at LSE. So for the next, I'm going to give you seven statements. I just want you to tell me if it's false, true, or you can't decide. People tell me that I'm a maverick. Yes. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. Uh. Yeah, I think people doubt that you can do it, but I, I find a way to do it. Okay. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. Definitely. I am much more productive than other people. I'm very lucky to be surrounded by high, high performers. So, yes, um, in terms of the everyday, ordinary folks, but I'm very lucky that I've got, I'm surrounded by other mavericks. Okay. So, I would say yes, and... I also learn from how productive some of the people I work with are. They're very, very good at time optimising, like me. Mm -hmm. I have very unusual talents. Yes. 
I, you know, I'm starting to appreciate that I've got unusual talents, um, and I'm really appreciative appreciative of the talents that other people have got as well. I am generally underestimated by people. I think that would have been true of me ten years ago. I think now, because of the, the fortunate position I've got myself into, um, you know, people uh, look to me as somebody that can make things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, I always try to do is uh, humble excellence. So I, I try not to kind of, because my natural personality is very gregarious, so I try to kind of dampen that down because I really want to help other people achieve things because um, I love it. I just mm. love it and I get very excited. Okay. So, yeah, I think yes, uh, but it's different. You know, it's, uh, I'm surrounded by good people who believe in me. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Again, I'd say... I'd say that's yeah, yes, that's true to the everyday, ordinary way things are done. Um, but actually, again, because of the nature of the people that I surround myself with, and I'm fortunate to know as friends, I think they do amazing work as well. So I wouldn't be so arrogant to say that would be completely true. But in terms of the everyday way of things done, you know, I'm I'm able to do things really, really, really well, really quickly. Okay. Why do you think you do these things differently? Why do you do things differently? Um, so I think I've always thought that way. I always, as a kid, you know, I was a bit of a oddball. I never really fitted in. I was an outsider. And what I've realised is actually I'm really comfortable being outside of the norm now. Whereas as a kid, I wanted to fit in, but could never find comfort in fitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't fully understand the reasons. I do know that it's driven by a need for deep need for independence. Uh, but I've got a very highly creative and analytical mind as well. So it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a psychological framework. It's um it's it's definitely because of my upbringing, uh, but it's also hardwired into my DNA. I've got uh, you know I can't help it. Does doing things differently require certain skills? Certain skills. Yeah, and if so, what are they? Uh, the answer is yes, uh, and I think I'm still learning what they are, but some of the ones that I'm very clear on is being extremely discerning about the people that you're with, being very discerning about the ideas that I take forward, um, and actually seek to kind of make them happen, because what I realise is having lots of ideas doesn't mean that's innovation or being a maverick. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of those ideas won't go anywhere, because they're just not the world's not ready, and you're not ready as a human being. Uh, so I've learned to kind of calm myself down and not go for all, all the things I love because, you know, energy, you know, I have a huge amount of energy and I get really excited about ideas. Um, I think also there's a process of internal exploration that I go through and then I push it out to people I really trust and get them to really kick hard. Mm. Now, for me, that's quite difficult because they're like my babies, but actually I, I've learned that that just works. Okay. What are the challenges to being a maverick? Um, So I think uh, from a personal perspective, it's about learning to manage your internal energy and ideas because you have lots and lots and lots of ideas and you have lots and lots of things you, you you know, I find I want to get involved in because I get so excited about them. But actually I haven't, I can't do that if I do all the things that I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to do, like with my family and friends. And you neglect yourself and others. So I think it's about learning to kind of find balance and clarity of focus. Mm-hmm. Mavericks often have unusual talents. What would you say yours are? 
what are my unusual talents? I, I think I, I've got a brain that can think round corners. Uh, you know, I've got a brain that can, can kind of really expand, like think expansively about things and look at things in a, from a systemic perspective. Um, so I think from a kind of intellectual perspective, I'm, I really love that. Mm -hmm. But then what I'm also, I've learned to do, and this is learned behaviour, not my natural, I've learned to drill right into the detail. Now, it's very difficult, but I know that if I want to make something happen, I've got to make it, you know, happen um, in my head first. So I've got to build the processes, build the approaches in my head first, play those out and then help other people to do it. So I think there's, that's the intellectual piece. I think uh, from, from a personal perspective, I think I'm, uh, you know, I, I get feedback that I inspire people to take action. I, I inspire people to believe in themselves and to stretch themselves because I realise it's not about me. It's not the Darren Robson show. Uh, and what I love doing is collaborating and making it happen with a group of really other talented people and believing in them. Uh, so I have an unusually high amount of personal confidence mm -hmm. uh, and courage. Okay. I think, and those are the other characteristics that I'd kind of bring out. Okay. Have you always taken a maverick approach to business or was there a particular trigger? Um, I, I'm not, I wouldn't, so, so I think that within the maverick model and the continuum, uh, what I've learned is, um, actually there's a whole load of good stuff to kind of follow that's already out there. Right. So I've learned to see what's already out there and then go, actually, what's a good twist to take this to the next level? Mm. Um, and, you know, that's because I, I like trying to pioneer. I like to do things differently, like, you know, creating a micro-gifting model and going out to Tanzania and building yeah. a chicken farm. Yeah. Completely random. No one else would necessarily think of doing it in that way, I, as far as I can see. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know where the idea came from. It just sort of it was a, it sprung from me. And, okay. and when that happens, what I've learned to is, is follow that intuition uh, and not the other thing is not share that too much until it's done with people because what happens is yeah. people get afraid and because of what good intentions they say oh you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that what about that what about that and, and I don't need that energy at that point what I need is the energy of we're going to make this happen, happen exactly. and we're going to try um, and so you know I'm not afraid of making uh, I'm not af afraid of failing okay. what I try to do is minimize that failure and pilot things very small and okay. learn and learn and learn really quickly um, so try and succeed fast rather than fail fast. Okay. Are you always a maverick, or do you choose to be at certain times? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think I'm always a maverick. I think I'm an everyday, ordinary guy in lots of things in my life. You know, as a parent, I don't want to be necessarily a maverick. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to be very safe and sound. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to kind of start taking maverick risks with my kids. You know, okay. that's going to be very safe, secure, and loving. Because um, that's what they need. So, uh, no, I wouldn't say I'm a maverick all the times. Uh, you know, I, I, live a, I live a very ordinary life uh, quite a lot of the times. And then I do things that are maverick at certain stages of the year. And every year I need to do something that feels like less ordinary and a bit maverick to me, whether that's travel, whether it's investments, you know, whether it's developing people, whatever it is. You know, okay. there's always an aspect. But no, not in the whole, not in every area of my life. How and why do you choose to be a maverick or not? Then you said you you doing it. Sometimes you are. Sometimes what's how does that? How is that decision made? Yeah. So I think um, uh, I think I'm not consciously aware of when it's happening. Mm -hmm. I, what I am consciously aware is when when I get an intuitive hit to go and do something like travel, okay. and you know go and just ride a motorbike around Cambodia on my own okay. to explore Cambodia. You know I just get these intuitive hits, Billy. 
And it's like, I've got to do that. So I know that I'm very close to going to Japan and China. And I can feel it. Okay. You know, I've, I've got this calling to go to the Great Wall of China. And I think that's going to happen sometime in the next 18 months, year. Okay. And, and so I get these kind of drives to go and do those things and try different things. And then I'm off to Mumbai in February to, to get a global award, which is lovely. Yep. But I'm going to go and build the AC out there and I'm going to go and create Mo out there. Now, okay. I don't know what will happen, but something will emerge. Will happen. Yeah, okay. You've already answered my next question, which is about was it a conscious or unconscious decision? What do you think are the advantages of being a maverick in business and what are the disadvantages of being a maverick in business? Um, so I, I think the... Um, so I think I'm going to say this in two levels. So I think it's almost impossible to be a maverick in a junior role within a business because actually if you're not surrounded by other leadership mavericks, they mm -hmm. won't understand you. So my okay. experience in Deloitte, I was trying to be too maverick for them and they wanted something that was safe and secure. So actually it was very painful for me because they were telling me every day of my life towards the end, you don't fit, you're not giving us what we need, you need to do more of this. Okay. And I was going, I can't help this, this is who I am. Yeah. I'm always going to be this way, so eventually I left. So I think within an organisational construct, uh, being a maverick, you have to have people around you that really believe in you in very senior roles because okay. they're mavericks themselves and appreciate the, the value. Uh, it's very difficult to be a maverick in a risk-averse environment. As an entrepreneur, it's very easy to be a maverick because you have the freedom, flexibility and autonomy and it's your own money you're risking. It's your own children's legacy See? you're risking and yeah. I think you can afford to do it. Uh, okay. The organisations I run are completely autonomous. Okay. Absolutely. In what way? Uh, so I think that I've matured. Uh, I think that I was uh, slightly reckless, you know, in, in sort of ideas, and I was naive and immature when I was younger, and I did lots of different things. Some things came off, some things didn't. But I would, I would sometimes take personal risk, you know, that was not worth it. Okay. Uh, and I would never do that now. So I think that. I've, I've learned to uh, balance that need for adventure and creativity and to go and do things differently with a healthy dose of humility, but also a healthy dose of looking at the, the, the wider impact and risk. So an example would be I bought a bunch of property in Cyprus, didn't really think about it, and, you know, Euro tanked against the Swiss franc and it's cost me a lot of money. Okay. But do you know what I'm glad I've done? because it taught me a huge, uh, a huge lesson in terms of Richard Branson says when you're creating a business yes look at the upside but also spend just the amount of time looking at the downside and I didn't used to look at the downside Definitely. I was too optimistic so now I've got optimism with a healthy dose of reality okay you've kind of asked this but I'd like to get it on record what aspects of your life and business are you most a maverick in and least a maverick in you touched on family least maverick yeah, definitely. Uh, least least uh, maverick. Still fun and still all those things. Mm. And still, you know, as my girls get older, I'm going to give them more exposure to maverick things and yeah. doing interesting, challenging things, so that they get that opportunity to stretch into that. Um, I think where I'm most maverick is in my own in Mo in the Mo Foundation. Yeah. I'm able to just do whatever I want. And somebody said to me the other day, the wonderful thing about Mo is we never know what's coming. Um, so I think that in organisational sense, in my own business, um, I'm able to be very maverick. Um, <clears throat> within the Association of Coaching, I'm not particularly maverick. You know, we are creative and innovative, but I, I look after that brand very yeah. carefully because it's not my brand, yes. whereas Darren Robson and Mo is my brand. Right. So if I fuck up and screw up, it's down to me, okay. whereas others, it's not. You know, there's a wider, wider group of people who are important. 
Okay, talking about fuck-ups, as you called them, Mavericks tend to be big risk-takers. What's the biggest risk you've taken to date in business? Um, the biggest, well, so I think the biggest risks I've taken is to step out of a really safe uh, professional career in an organisation like Deloitte. Mm -hmm. But I think before then, I think the biggest risk I took was leaving an apprenticeship okay. to go back into university and, and learn because I needed to get a good education. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's those sorts of risks. In terms of actual businesses, I'd say... Um, I think they're just that they're all. I don't see them as risks. I see them as absolutely smart moves. Okay. Okay. So you know there isn't a massive inherent risk. The, the biggest one where I've screwed up is Cyprus or okay. properties, um, but the rest of them have been nothing but good good things because what's happened is the more I've done these things, the more it's become associated to to who I am. So people see my brand in that way. Thank you. How many ventures have you taken in the past five years? How many ventures, business ventures? ventures. So, uh, well, obviously, I've created uh, two really, really successful businesses now with Mo mm -hmm. uh, and also DR. Uh, but within those, there's also about four or five different initiatives. And I've currently got two other businesses that I'm incubating right now. So we're at six to eight. Six to eight. OK. What would you consider are the characteristics of a successful venture? Um, well, again, I think it's what depends on what your entrepreneurial drive is. So my entrepreneurial drive at this point is to build organisations that are a legacy. So I'm not going to sell any of these. Mm -hmm. These are all for me to learn and grow and to make a difference and contribution. Okay. Um, but equally, if you're building a venture where you want to sell it, then you've got to get to scale. Now, we're starting to get to scale within one of the organisations because we're in 40-odd countries and okay. we're learning those difficult challenges. So you've got to look at your maverick DNA yourself and say, yeah. actually, what's really driving this? For me, the things I'm building at the moment are core part of my uh, life's work, and I'm never going to sell them, never going to get rid of them. They're going to be with me for the rest of my life. Okay. One day, I'm going to build some sort of technical and technology uh, business that I can sell. Mm. I can feel it. I don't know when it's coming, probably in the next five years. Okay. But I'm learning all the time at the moment, investing in learning about online technology all the time. Okay. Of the businesses that you've done, that you said six to eight, what percentage of these were successful according to your definition of success you've given me? Well, so far, I mean, obviously the Cyprus property has been a failure in the short term, but mm -hmm. actually I think if I hang on to it for 10 to 15 years, it's going to turn around because okay. I've bought in a really smart place, but it's yeah. painful in the short term. Okay. So again, it depends. If your motivation is short-term win, mm -hmm. you'd say that was a failure, but actually mine isn't. It's a long play. 20 years because of my daughters. Okay. Um, so, so at the moment, uh, maybe I've set my bar too low, but actually all of the things are going well because I'm building a portfolio life. Okay. And I've got a portfolio of things. So they're all successful uh, you know, overall, and I'm really proud of them. So if they're successful, what did you do that um, made them successful? What would, um, what would you say you, I personally... Yeah, so the things that I'm personally doing on, on all of them is, and this is the same for all of the businesses, so I really contribute to getting clear on the purpose of the organisation, clarifying its strategic imperative, its long-term vision goals. I'm really good at that. I'm, I'm okay. really, really clear on doing that. And what that does is that sets a frame for everyone else. So the purpose manifesto, the AC yeah. vision, you know, the DR business vision, all of those things I've been absolutely central to the creation of those. Mm -hmm. And then... If I step into the Darren, Robson and Mo, which I feel I can say more clearly, yeah. is I've 
I've built a really fantastic team. I've inspired people to get involved and I've really gone out there to support people. Yeah. And what I've been able to do is build partnerships with people who can deliver the things that I think are going to make a massive difference to okay. people. But, it, but again, it's never all about me and it's never all about you as the individual. If you ever get caught up in that ego trip, you're going to screw up because actually you will become a controlling factor in the business and actually stop, stunt its growth. Because who wants to work for somebody like that? Exactly. So it's tempering your own personal ego, okay. whilst at the same time acknowledging the skills you bring. My next question was, of the percentage that were unsuccessful, what would you consider was the main reason for their failure? Say that again? Of your ventures that you would consider to have been unsuccessful, what would have been the main reason for their failure? Um, so, uh, so Cyprus... Um, the, the main reason, major main reason for its failure was uh, I didn't predict the economic downturn of okay. the EU, uh, and I didn't think about um, hedging finances in against euro against Swiss franc. Okay. So I hadn't stopped and thought about the risks. I was overly optimistic, and I got bought into a story. Yeah. I have to say, I really, you know, because where I've bought, it's they've got a huge, uh, nearly a billion pound development they're doing. So in the next two to three years, yeah. that's going to come true again. But in the short term, it's been really painful. And then the other thing I didn't do was really look into the detailed numbers. And so the mortgage payments are more than the rental. Uh, and again, that's because of the crisis Cyprus found itself okay. in. And this was, I bought that five years ago, you know, which was two or three years before the EU started to crash. So, I, you know, the key insight was I did not stop to think about the downside and risk. Thank you. That's the interview over.